Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Harmonica podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check out the Spotify playlist. Another word to my sponsor, the Lone Wolf Blues Company, makers of effects pedals, microphones and more, designed for harmonica. Remember, when you want control of your tone, you want Lone Wolf. Michael DF joins me today. As well as playing in his own band, Him and Her, Michael is the president of the American Harmonica Organization, SPA. He tells us what SPA is all about and the many benefits it brings to its members. The SPA convention is one of the biggest events on the harmonica calendar, and this year it will be online, allowing more international artists to be utilised and providing the opportunity for people around the world to take part in the convention, which takes place from August 12th to 15th, 2020. So, hello, Michael DF, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Michael, for those who don't know, is the president of SPA. So, we're, we're here pointless to talk about SPA today, but we'll start with Michael. So, I've got to start with your name, first of all, Michael. Michael DF, you must have got some ridicule as a youngster with that name. Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, Mick the Dead and the Black Death and, and everything that an English prep school and public school could possibly do to me, they did, and I'm totally immune to it. <laughs> and I notice your, your wife, Brenda Freed, she hasn't taken the name on. Yeah, well, she, you know, being a, a perennial performer, she was touring in Europe before we met, actually, 20 years ago, and she was smart enough to uh, keep her name because, you know, it's well known, and, and we don't call things by my last name, we use hers. So we have Be Freed yeah. Music, as an example, not, not you know, death music. You know, it'd be okay if I was, you know, if I was a heavy metal band or something, but it doesn't work very well for a folk and blues and jazz guy. So we'll, we'll pick up on, on a bit of your history now and, and yeah. how that led you to become the president of... So you're originally from England. I was born in South London, Kingston, and lived most of my first 19 years um, in the south of England and then uh, ended up in Winchester for a little while and then Cambridge for a little while and discovered computers in the early 1970s in London and ended up working on some of the largest computers. And I had no intention of doing that. I was going to be an engineer and went to Cambridge to do that. But before I went up there, I discovered that I really enjoyed writing software. And by the time I got to Cambridge, I decided that that's what I really wanted to do. And Cambridge didn't know how to spell the word, let alone how to teach anything about it. And so I left Cambridge after a year and got a place at a university in Houston called Rice University. I spent one, uh, one semester there and uh, took a leave of absence and never went back. Started my, fir my first company in Houston in 1975 at the age of 21 and basically did startups and sort of entrepreneurial things for 45 years. And I'm still living in Texas now in what is called the Texas Hill Country, which is unlike anything you'll see in the movies for the most part. It's you know hills and, and we, we have a house about 2,000 feet, which... I would used to have would have called a mountain if I was living still living in the UK because there wasn't anything close to that where I was where I grew up. So I've spent all but five of the last forty seven years um, in Texas. So um, talking about your own harmonica playing initially, so I think you you took it up a little bit later in life. So what was your history of uh, picking up the harmonica? I grew up you know, singing in choirs and madrigals and playing piano and that sort of thing. You know the respectable stuff. 
and came over here and, and was mostly a listener. You know, I, I actually had listened to a lot of American music um, in the UK before I came over here. In the mid-90s, a friend of mine was um, fighting cancer and had throat cancer. And uh, we started playing music. He was a guitar player and had been a harmonica player and a singer. He did an awful lot of uh, instrumental work. And so I couldn't sing, obviously, in those um, for those songs. And so he said, well, why don't you try this and handed me a harmonica. I still actually have that one in my studio right through the window there. So I started playing harp. And it was interestingly, a lot of things like Django Reinhardt, a lot of minor key stuff. And it took me about two years to figure out that just because I was playing a C harp didn't mean I was playing in G. I was actually playing in D minor. <laughs> so I learned to play third position probably before I learned to play second, all by year. And then I started taking lessons. So I've been playing about 25 years. So you didn't have any particular harmonical influences then? You, you sort of learned it yourself by playing with a guitar player, did you? Yeah, but playing, yeah, we actually had a small group. We had a mandolin guitar, banjo, and, and, uh, and then me. Um, and, you know, two of us sang and, and, and then the rest of us played. And we actually did some recording at that time. But I mean, mine were mostly John Mayall, you know, Lennon. You know, and obviously I had heard a lot of harmonica playing, but I, it really, you know, I, it wasn't sort of like, I, I was more immersed in things like the Grateful Dead and, and Jeff Snare playing and jazz than I was in, in any particular instrument. You know, I was immersed in music as a, as a whole, not as any particular instrument. I never really thought of myself as a player until that time. More recently, was it you? Uh, you have a, a band now called Him and Her with your wife Brenda Freed. Yeah, so Bre Brenda has been performing um, and and been involved in music all her life. She actually has a, a master's degree in music, music education and music therapy, and so she's done it a very long time and, and played it. I mean, I've got posters on the wall here where she's playing on the bill with Ralph McTell and Jackie McShay. So we met in uh, the late 1990s and, and, and got together, got married actually in Edinburgh 20 years ago this year. You know, I, I started going to listen to them playing and I was careful to ask her guitar player if it was okay if I played with them because I figured that was at least fair. And so I started playing with them and then I started taking lessons and then I met the harmonica community in Austin, Texas, through the uh, an organization called Hoot, Harmonica Organization of Texas, and that started me down this path that ultimately has led me to Spa. But and, and so going back to your your band, him and her, you, yeah. you released a few CDs. Uh, one of the songs on the um, on the on the Texas Woman album is, uh, I think, the High on the Mountain. We're fortunate enough. One of the nice things about working in the technology community, and particularly the entrepreneurial community, is it was rather good to us um, financially. And so we now live on this wonderful open space. And I was able to build a recording studio up here. And so that album, Him and Her Do Texas Women, is a, a collection of 12 songs, all by female Texas songwriters. So we've done three albums as a as a group. Um, we actually perform now as a trio with another guitar player called Jonathan Lee, who's a fabulous player and, and has brought us um, into music. Um, you know, we're doing some Stevie Wonder stuff, some Jeff Beck, some uh, Frank Zappa um, on harmonica. I don't know if I'm the only person who's playing Frank Zappa on harmonica, but uh, it's a challenge, I'll tell you that. Having a good time with it. So we're, you know, we're continuing to, to explore new avenues in addition to sort of the songwriter genre that Brent and I had spent 20 years working with.
Yeah, so you play uh, Chromaticon Monica as well, don't you? diatonic and chromatic then yeah i i started playing chromatic actually very early on got a little frustrated with it because i really didn't understand what i was doing and and then as a result of taking the lessons that i did and, and then the kerrville folk festival with with which i have a, a long-standing relationship and was actually my non-profit experience um, i was chairman of that organization for uh, was it four years, I think, and involved with them as a board member for eight years prior to joining the spa board. They have had a harmonica workshop there for about 15 years. Rob Roy Parnell, who is quite well known in the United States, uh, he and his brother are both fine, fine musicians and part of a musical family that grew up in Texas. He has been the director of that organization. And so I've I've had the luxury of, of taking lessons from blues players like uh, Gary Primich, wonderful people like Norton Buffalo that we all miss so much. Norton was probably one of the first people that I, I watched him play rock chromatic. And it really started make, giving me the opportunity to sort of think about how to do it. I play a lot of different keys. I use the, the chromatic. I play it in third position. I play it in first and fifth, occasionally in fourth position. You know, and and then obviously I have a C, I have a C sixty four in addition to the to the various keys of forty eight. And that's by the way, that's how I get to play Frank Zappa. But yeah, so you mentioned there that you were involved in the organization of the Kerrville Folk Festival. Uh, so is that what led you on to becoming involved with SPA? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, As I mentioned earlier, I, I found the harmonica community that had been started by a good friend of mine now, Tom Stevens, called Hoot, and it was Hoot, Texas. And there are several Hoots in Texas. And you know, each one are separate organizations, but it is basically an, a nonprofit organization that meets monthly and provides education and performance opportunities. We did a number of fundraisers. We brought in people like uh, Matt, Peter Matt Ruth to do you know an evening of of class with Gary Primich, and so I joined Tom and Dan Rupa, who's a major part of the spa organization, has been playing guitar and, and enjoying himself at spa for lo longer than I have. The three of us actually ran that organization for three years before I was invited to join the uh, the Kerrville Folk Festival board. And so my, my involvement with Kerrville, because of the fact that we had the harmonica workshop there, Winslow Yerksa, who was then current president, came down to teach. And I met Winslow and he said, maybe you'd be interested in you know, getting involved in spa as you know on the board, and I'd been to spa since it came to Dallas in the early two thousands, and, and then again in the later. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm sort of I'm committed here. I'm you know this is a full time you know volunteer effort to to keep this forty what forty nine year old festival uh, on its legs, and so we made that transition while I was there. Joe Felisco came down and asked me the same thing. Madcat and those three are pretty much responsible as my eight year tenure. Uh, I termed out, you know, we had three term limit 
um, at, Curve, at the Folk Festival Foundation. And, and uh, so I joined Winslow's board as secretary and then was encouraged to throw my head in the ring to be president um, now five years ago and, and uh, have been, you know, that's an elected position. And so I was, I've now been elected twice and, and my tenure will expire again next year and we'll see what happens, but uh, um, have a wonderful team of people helping us run the organization. Yeah, so you're in your second term of a possible three. Uh, so yeah, you you may be carrying on for what, a few more years yet in the role if you were to be reelected. We'll we'll see how that plays out. I I would love to, and I will always encourage other people to step forward. If somebody said I want to do this, I would be the first one to say, okay, come on, let me help you. We recently made a change at vice president Jerry Deal, who was secretary, has just uh, joined as vice president after five years. Mike Runyon, um, a fabulous chromatic player, um, uh, helped us a lot over that over that first five years, um, and has stepped has stepped back as he's. Still, still very much involved, but not on the board. You know, I'm the first one to encourage other people, but I have had a number of people who've asked me to continue to do it. And you know, Jerry and I have both talked about it, and we're prepared to do to do it if we are so asked. But we would love for somebody else to step in and, and start working with us, and we, you know, we continue to look for succession. Getting on to sport itself now. So sport, for those who don't know, is the Society for the Preservation and Advancement of the Harmonica, founded in uh, 1963 by Earl Collins, Gordon Mitchell, and Richard Harris. So uh, it's been around now for um, been around for almost 60 years. So yeah. So w- what do you see the role of sport in uh, in today's harmonica community? One of the first things we did after I, you know, sort of got the team together is we, because we're just we are a geographically distributed organization. None of us live in the same town, and so we meet by phone and we see each other once a year at a convention. Except this year, obviously, for obvious reasons. And one of the things that I started doing at the end of the convention was saying, "Let's take you know the core group of the board and let's sit down and think about what it is that we want to do and what you know who are we." And so, if you if you think about what preservation and advancement of the harmonica. And you sort of do a little bit of a scientific thought about, well, what does that mean, right? So what are we preserving? We're preserving the instruments, so the chords, the basses, and indeed the archives. And uh, in fact, Jerry Deal, uh, vice president, is now seems to be um, catching the archivist bug. Um, sadly, we lost Manfred Weavers um, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, who had been our archivist for many, many years. But he did a wonderful job, and Jerry has now inherited all of those, all those materials, um, and also has a basement full of, of really interesting harmonicas and microphones. And so we're, you know, we're about preserving the instrument and the music that is being played. So from you know the harmonicats to the old blues music to the styles of playing, the trio uh, spa was and until oh gosh, twenty years ago, was very much about the chromatic and the trio. So bass chord and chromatic as opposed to those long-haired blues players. Yeah, I was going to 
about that because uh, and I had Peter Madcap Roof on a, a, a few episodes ago, so he was the first person to win the win the uh, Player of the Year award as a diatonic player in the in the late nineties, wasn't he? So I think that was starting to be the shift away from the emphasis on on the chromatic and. Uh, and as you say, the orchestral harmonicas there. So has that been a deliberate a deliberate ploy to, to move that away from those a little bit to, um, well, to colour both, I guess, including the diatonic, which is probably much more popular these days than, than the chromatic, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the, the transition had happened by the time I you know, got involved in the board. I mean, and, and in fact, at this point, in, in some ways, it is we are focused as much. It is getting har- harder to get trios to come and play. Many of the of the trio players are, you know, uh, you know, in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Well, so part of our preservation has to be getting young people, first of all, involved with the instrument, not just you know for a year, but for the, for their lives, and and keep them involved in the in the community. You know, so we sort of know they might be out there, but actually coming to spa and participating. And secondly, you know, encouraging them to pick up the bass or the chord or the chromatic, playing not necessarily the old music, but but playing the new music. And so we'll do things like one time Madcap played, and we said, "Would you mind having a bass and chord behind you instead of a bass guitar and, and a rhythm guitar?" And so he played with a bass and chord player behind him instead of you know and played the same songs he was going to play. Uh, Madcat is, you know, one of my very good friends and, and, and I think is, you know, in terms of somebody that shows what the diatonic can be in terms of, and, and his love of the instrument and, and the way he, you know, he puts it across, you know, it, as I said, he was instrumental in me, uh, in me taking on this role. And I, you know, you can see if you've talked, as you've talked to him, why he was a really good transitional kind of, you know, having, having played in the jazz community, you know, it's hard to argue his credentials. <laughs> Um, yeah. when people he's played with, um, and, and he was playing the same music, but with the diatonic. And so he was a great sort of transitional person. So at this point, it, we are as much reaching back to the, the trios, whether or not those instruments are playing the old music or whether, you know, we're playing new music with those old instruments. I'm pleased to say that we are, we do have, occasionally we have a scholarship program at SPA and occasionally we will get scholars, some of whom are playing on main stage now, who are playing bass and chord on stage with us. And uh, I'm pleased to say we actually have two of our scholars who are going to be playing uh, during SPA week this year. But that, So the part of what we try to do is encourage the use of those older instruments, either in new context or playing the old music, right? So sometimes we'll you know, we'll pair one of our older chromatic players with a with a young um, backing band, and sometimes you know we've got a you know a twenty and thirty year old group playing harmonicats music from the from the thirties and forties. So it's all of the above. I'm involved with the the National Harmonica League, as it was called in the UK, which is possibly a, a stranger name than the Society for Preservation of <laughs> the Harmonica. So, um, um, so the National Harmonica League in the UK is a similar sort of club in the UK base, and I help run a chromatic weekend so we've got a similar a yep. similar thing you know kind of helping keeping the chromatic relevant and obviously the diatonic is more popular these days and so certainly the more orchestral instruments aren't not many people playing those though the bass and the chords and things but um the chromatic's still reasonably popular and at least people use that to play some blues as well so yeah very much interested myself in helping keep that going in the chromatic weekend we do and we will certainly get on to the spa online convention but we're we're, uh, we're planning to do a sort of use have a chromatic weekend right around this time of year each year and we're actually going to do an online sort of weekend at the end of june to, to replace that so uh, a similar sort of idea as obviously what's happening with the spark convention 
Yeah, keep me posted about that. I'd love to listen in. If the more I play chromatic, the more I realize how versatile an instrument it is. Particularly if you allow yourself to buy in the keys of G and you know an A and and some of the others where you can play in some of the other keys. It gives you the ability to play some of the jazz standards in a way that they might more reasonably be intended. You know, some of the chromatics have the ability to do a, a fair amount of bending in addition to using the button. And the button gives you some of the wonderful, I mean, just listen to Stevie Wonder. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, and I think you make a very good point. I think a lot of people have the opinion of the chromatic that it's quite old-fashioned, you know, the music that you hear uh, some of those guys play. But of course, you know, you hear some of the great players, you've got Antonio Sereno playing some great music that's, you know, very exciting to listen to, yeah. getting away yeah. from that more old-fashioned type of music, which maybe some people associate with the chromatic. Well, and I think I think that's really important. I, I mentioned that about Norton Buffalo. You know, he was one of the people that I listened to. You know, he played with Steve Miller for thirty five years. He was a big part of that sound, the Steve Miller band sound. But I heard him play, you know, his own music and and some of his wife's Italian music as well. Just listening to how he was using that chromatic, I went, "That's a totally different sort of feel." And you've got all the chord stuff in there. If you've got the right key harmonica, if you're playing an A minor and you pick up a G, third position falls right out there. You've got the button to give you all those half steps and and more. And and so I actually taught things like uh, Serenade to a Cuckoo, which is an old Roland Kirk song that that was made famous by um, Jethro Tull. Um, and I taught it last year at Kerrville, and I taught it on diatonic and chromatic in E minor so that you could play it on a, on a C chromatic, and we have people doing both. I'm trying to sort of say, look, you can, you know, there's a lot more you can do with that instrument. Using it in the way that is being used by those kinds of players like Antonio and, and uh, Stevie Wonder and, and like Norton did for many, many years. If, if you're not doing that as a blues or jazz player, you're missing an opportunity to really have some fun. Yeah, well, I think uh, as Spa and the harmonica players, we love all harmonicas, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Going back to, to that role of, you know, of what Spa, I mean, it's it's not just about the chromatic and it's not just about the bass and chords and, you know, right. those orchestral. So it is about the diatonics too as well, which is, again, is more popular now. So yep. what about the preservation of the uh, of the diatonic? Do you feel that's being, you know, needed in the same way? I mean, I think the music... And the instrument seem to be in very good health. If I if I judge it by what's going on here, I, we have a, a, a tremendous number of diatonic players. My wife and I go out to a place in Kerrville every year, and we gave three hundred of them away and taught kids how to play, you know, one song. And we had groups of five and ten kids walking away playing, you know. And, and by the way, I should acknowledge Honer's support of giving us all the harmonicas so we can do that. You know, it's an inexpensive instrument, and you can learn to play a tune. The supply is much broader. Part of that is cost. Part of that is because that people hear they hear people playing it on, you know, whether it's country or blues or jazz, people like Will Scarlett and, and then more recently Howard Levy and others have done in terms of teaching people how to do overblow and, and, and you know, playing all, you know, a, a lot more notes on, on the instrument. We get a tremendous breadth. You know, part of our challenge in, in four days is covering all the bases, right? It's covering, you know, all the trio stuff and having enough of sort of the old style music and then also having jazz and blues and country and gospel and doing all of that over a period of 
you know four and a half days in a convention is it turns out we've we've sort of we've we've figured out how to do that our challenge at this point is is supporting the diversity and you know in every axis if you will men and women you know people of color as well you know all across right and presenting all of that music and and all the different genres and so yeah we get a tremendous amount of of diatonic music on there we get a lot of different tunings you know, obviously there are a lot of people who are doing modified Richter tuning and I, I tend to play things out of the box but there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of amazing stuff I came to the World Harmonica Forum was it three years ago and listened to all these incredible folks you know many many of them from all over Asia and listening to what they're doing and, and realizing how much the diatonic harmonica is a part of life we're getting a lot more influence now from you know from Chinese manufacturers and also from I mean we're we're bringing uh, players and scholars over from India some playing chromatic some playing diatonic and doing a lot of overblows and overdraws to to do what they need to do so I I feel very good about the you know the life of the of the diatonic as a whole I think I mean the there's there's no doubt you know the harmonica is alive and well it's interesting the US probably is not if you look at what's going on in in Asia you know pretty much every child in many countries is learning the harmonica before they reach the age of 15 that obviously is not happening in North America. I don't know that you know if we'll ever make those changes. There are some who suggest that spa should be involved in that. I wish I had the energy. I would love to. And I think having low cost, you know, lower cost instruments helps. Right? The part of the challenge has been you know instrument cost has gone up and up and up with you know as a result of various you know international manufacturing and, and currency conversion rates and, and so on and so forth. And so a typical diatonic over here, a good one, might cost you thirty five, forty five dollars now and not five right you can buy a harmonica for five dollars but it, it doesn't sound as good I, I think the instrument as a whole i think is still alive and well and, and doing just fine you know part of our challenge is to continue to make that exciting and interesting in the u.s and to sort of bring it back to what we're going to be doing in, in, in august with spa week doing this online means that not only is our sort of close-knit community of a thousand people who sort of participate in Spire every year in one form or other, you know, by being members or coming to the convention, those people clearly will come and listen and enjoy and participate. What I'm hoping is that we can expose a much broader audience around the world to what we're doing here. Because we do have broad reach. We actually get visibility in, as I mentioned, in, in a lot of countries. But obviously they're not able in most cases to come over here and, and enjoy the convention. And so I'm hoping that we're going to get being forced into doing this online thing um, will give us the skills so that we can continue to spread that what we do uh, internationally and bring and domestically and bring more people into the fold, if you will, who don't necessarily have the ability to get in a car and drive to St. Louis or Charlotte or whatever. I think in many ways, you know, this online, although it's got its downsides, it's got a lot of advantages as well, hasn't it? So, so just um, concluding that part around Spa and, the, and its relevance, I mean, so what does Spa bring you here? So if you're a member, you get the magazine four times a year, so there's the convention. Uh, is that the main benefits of Spa? Is there anything else? No, it's that is not the only thing. Spa, you know, spa membership is 50 bucks a year. And if you come to the convention, the, you get a $50 discount. So if you're going to come to the convention, you know, being a member is basically free. And so that's a pretty good deal. In fact, one of the things that I changed about how we talk about ourselves when I got here was, you know, I spent, I spent a lot of time in the tech industry with really good marketing people. And so a lot of people would say, well, we're going to go to spa. And by that, they meant go into the spa convention. And I said, it is the spa convention. Spa is a lot more than the convention. 
First of all, if you donate to SPAR, you're donating to all the things we've just talked about, which is the preservation. And, uh, uh, and if you're a member of SPAR, you're doing the same thing. You're, you're allowing this organization to continue to preserve the, the music in North America. It can be said 20 years ago when the diatonic harmonica was, to, to a large extent, maybe 30 years ago, was becoming a toy. The, you know, the quality of the instruments was going down and down and down. And a lot of the members of SPAR got together and started, you know, people like Joe Felisco and others started taking those instruments and turning them into playable instruments and then communicating that back to the manufacturers. And the manufacturers woke up and said, ah, we need to make this better. And so I think this organization had a lot to do with making sure that the instrument actually did survive 20 or 30 years ago. In addition to to getting a full color magazine mailed to your house, including in England, uh, four times a year, for the cost of that membership. You also get discounts. Anybody who offers a spa discount, a spa member discount, um, is allowed to advertise free in our magazine. And so if you've got a workshop and you're willing to give a 10% discount up to 50 bucks, because if you know if it's more than that, then we and we understand that's too much. Then uh, on a bona fide, you know, we assume you're doing this this properly, um, we will allow you to run, you know, one or possibly two small ads in our magazine at no cost to you. So one of the benefits you get if you're going to go to the harmonica uh, workshop workshop, for example, at Kerrville and, and many of the others, you get a $25 discount you know, for a $250 workshop, four-day, three-day workshop, um, just by being a member. So we're doing more of that. All of our vendors who are going to be showing their wares online during Spa Week online are going to be giving discounts to spa members. And so you know, we try to add more, add more value to the membership and say, look, even if, even if you cannot come to the convention, you're going to get a magazine and you're going to get discounts to go to uh, any number of, of other events that might be more local to you that, that you will benefit from and be a member of a community. You can find local members, you can find local clubs. You know, we have a, a searchable database online so you can find, you know, who, who else? I get, we get questions all the time. You know, who else is, who else plays harmonica in my area? Giving them that kind of access. And we'll answer those questions if you ask us, even if you're not a member, but being able to go on and look up, you know, look up people and say, I, you know, email my friend Joe down the road and see if we can get together and learn something, you know. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And again, in, in the National Harmonica League in the UK, which I've been involved with for a long time, I know Roger Trowbridge very well too. So I know, I know you know. Yeah, no, Roger well, yes. Yeah. It's a harmonica community in many ways, isn't it? It's like a harmonica club. You know, you get to meet other people. The, the conventions, you know, the, the, the meetups you have are great. Um, I know Spa is kind of built off local clubs kind of coming together originally, wasn't it, in its history. And, that, and it, so it moves around the different cities to go to the different harmonica clubs. Yep. So it's about that community as, uh, as much as anything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the key ways that we pick a, a location to hold the convention is having a good harmonica club. One of the challenges is that a lot of those clubs were formed you know, 30 years ago by 30 and 40 and 50-year-old people who are now less there are less of them um you know and we that we depend on them when we go to that town to provide some of the volunteers obviously we bring our own you know volunteer staff with us but having local people who can help bring people from the airport and and help you know sell tickets or t-shirts and that kind of stuff and so we do a really good sort of trade with with the local volunteers they get to come to spa while they're working and you know you work for four hours and you get to enjoy the concert in the evening so you know you save a little bit of money and you get to meet all these amazing people and hang out with you know with all the people we've talked about you know the Feliscos and, and the, the mad cat roots of the world so it is very much a community in fact one of the things we 
we did, when I first got involved, we started selling registration to the convention in February when we didn't know who was going to play. And nobody had ever tried that before. It's like, well, why is anyone going to buy a ticket to go to a convention when they don't know who's going to play? Well, it turns out half the people <laughs> bought tickets to come to the convention before they even knew who was going to be on the, on the stage, which confirmed what you just said, Neil, which is that People come because they want to be with their friends, and it really is a community. The the sitting around playing in jams. There, you know, there are some folks who don't go to the stage very often. They sit around and play music together all day long, and that's such a wonderful thing. Absolutely. So this year things are different, of course. Yes. So the convention this year is a, is planned, of course, to be an online convention. So yeah. So let's get into that now. Of course, okay. Lots of advantages and disadvantages of that. So yeah, so maybe just introduce the plan for the online convention this year. When we looked at the calendar sometime in May and said the, there are just way too many things that could go wrong that would prevent us from having our, our convention in, in St. Louis this year, and we decided that we were going to have to pull the plug. And one of the reasons that, that we didn't sort of jump into that very early in the year, other than just the uncertainty of the, of the climate in, of this virus, was that we wanted to be able to have an alternative. And many of us had sort of come up with this idea of what we now call Spa Week 2020 of let's do this online. Spa is fortunately in a, in a good financial position. We're not dependent upon a convention to survive. In fact, we put a rainy day fund away uh, four years ago, thanks to many years of good volunteer stewardship of the, of the organization. And so we are now going to spend some of that rainy day fund. And there were two reasons that I, in particular, and my colleagues wanted to do this. One, we wanted to continue to keep that week in August that everybody has been going to for 57 years and um, and make continue to make that. And you know, everybody's got that week boxed out to play and enjoy harmonica. We're going to still do that. And so we wanted to kind of keep that on the calendar and make sure that that was something that we were going to do. But as importantly, we also knew that so many of our community, our teachers, um, but most importantly, our performers were not being paid. And we saw this as an opportunity to put some money in the pockets, and not much, but a little bit of money in the pockets of some of our performers. And because we're doing this now online, provide awareness of a few more international artists, you know, in what is, you know, seen as a U.S. organization. You know, it's hard, sadly, to bring international artists over here to play. I mean, even to attend, there's a lot of sort of let's just say immigration stuff that gets in the way of people. And it seems to be uniquely aimed at, at, at sort of artists and musicians. If you're a businessman, you want to go to a sales conference, it's easy. But if you're a musician and you just want to come, if, if you're not careful, you, they're going to say, well, you, you're, you're going to someplace and they're charging entry and you're probably going to play. So no, you can't come in. And that has happened, unfortunately. And so we've had to be incredibly careful with international artists this year, because what we're going to be doing is showing videos of, of people playing through Zoom and, and you know YouTube and other, other mechanisms. We're not constrained by that at all. And so we are able to bring in international artists uh, with more abandon, let's say. And so we wanted to do both of those things, keep it on, on the calendar. So we are going to put on a series of afternoon seminars. Usually at SPA, we'll have four going in parallel. We didn't want to trip over ourselves the first time doing this. And we actually have hired a professional production company who's working with us to do this. So it will be professionally produced. And then obviously the spa team are, are involved in the content and, and the emceeing and, and so forth at this event. But we're going to have afternoon seminars. So they'll be starting at one o'clock. This is all central time. And we've got 
you know, beginner seminars, we've got diatonic and chromatic, we've got country tuned uh, seminars, we've got Jason Ricci, who's a fabulous rock and blues player doing scale exercises. Um, Michael Rubin is going to teach bass harmonica. We've got how to embellish music as a performer. We've got Don Caesar, anyone who's ever seen Caesar perform. He's a fabulous showman and did a, a show uh, for us a couple of years ago on main stage on our Saturday night banquet and just you know did a little Richard thing that just blew everybody's mind. So all of those sessions in the afternoon, and there'll be one hour sessions. Some are going to have multiple presenters. They will all be interactive. They're all going to be live. So they will be on Zoom and, and fully emceed so that people can enjoy them. And we're going to have sh- like 15-minute breaks. During those breaks, we're going to run, I hope, we, we have some wonderful archives that we discovered that are uh, audio archives. And so we're going to run slideshows about our vendors, about you know donating to SPA and, and SPA We During those breaks, it also gives us some flexibility if, if a session runs over. So somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes of music. Some of these SPA will be from, from sessions from the 60s and 70s. And so you'll get to hear some some of the older music in the, in between all these things. And so we're going to we're going to you know fill the fill the time with with some stuff that for many people will go I was at that session and other people are going to go wow you can do that with a harmonica. So uh, we look forward to for doing that. And then in the evenings starting at in my best English half past 6 which unfortunately be till after midnight for you but we will be recording this and playing it so you'll be able to watch it the next morning if you like on some same evening so so Wednesday through Saturday night um, we're going to have everything from the local harmonica group in St. Louis who would have opened the show for us doing a group uh, performance. We've got Katrina Sturton, who's going to play live. We've got um, a whole bunch of uh, Joe Felisco's guys who are going to play a couple of songs. We've got a group uh, who's going to do uh, fiddle tunes. Um, So showing how you can play fiddle tunes on harmonica, which is obviously its own skill. We've got Steve Baker, who many of you know, who now is an Englishman who lives in Germany, works with Horner. Um, He was going to be coming over this year and he's going to be playing. It will be recorded, but I hope he will be with us. We're going to put him on first in the evening so that he has the opportunity to be with us at one in the morning, not at four in the morning. Um, we have Boaz Kim and Steve Geiger. We've got Michael Fall and Michael Bachman, who are um, from Sweden, who will be joining us also. Um, so another piece of international flavor. Rob Paparozzi, who many of you may know, is going to be performing with Chris Bauer. Aki Kumar from the West Coast. I'm very pleased to say that Antonio Serrano will be on the bill with us on Saturday. Uh, he was due to come over and play for us and close the show on Saturday. He's going to follow our awards ceremony, which is mm-hmm. and do a half an hour set. And again, hopefully, he'll be with us on the chat at least um, to talk. We're paying all these performers and presenters, and the way we're paying them is this. I and mean, this is as important as I mentioned as what we're doing. Spa put up some money. Uh, we went to our sponsors this year, who typically sponsor annually, and said, "Don't sponsor us this year. We're fine. But if you'd like to." sponsor Spa Week, we'd love you to do that. And many of them have stepped forward to do that. 
We also offered people who had paid for their registration for this year, we gave them some choices. You could have your money back. You could put it towards next year and we'll give you a, a t-shirt. And, and we've already been through all these choices. Many of those people offered to donate the money to Spa Week. We also have on our website at www.spa.org, S-P-A-H.org, we have a donate site specifically for Spa Week. And we also have a paypal.me slash Spa Week. Any of those donations that we receive by noon on Sunday, the 16th of August, will be used to put tips in, in the tip jar of everybody playing. If we get 30% more money than we needed, everybody's going to get 30% more money. All that money is going to go straight through us and in the pockets of these people who have been unable to perform uh, for the most part. We're looking forward to that. We, we're not going to ask people to pay to listen or watch, but we are going to have a recommended donation of $20 per session. That's an honor system. We don't, we're not going to police it or, or say anything, but all that money, uh, if you enjoy what you see or you're learning something from that, you know, $20 for four hours of, uh, of harmonica classes is a really good deal. <laughs> You know, making that point clear, the the event is free, but certainly be strongly encouraging donations to be able to go and straight to the artists. Yeah. So, so, yeah, great way. I mean, people obviously usually spend quite a lot of money going to the convention. Yeah, the the the, the cost yeah. of the convention, travel, the hotel. So, you know, in many ways, this is much much cheaper than doing that, isn't it? And yeah, it's great to be able to be able to sit together and play and see your friends. But, uh, this does have its advantages in in, in many ways over that. It does indeed. And one of the things that I, I'm, I'm asking our production company, I don't, because we're using a commercial Zoom license, what we're asking them is after the show, going to offer the Zoom license to a different uh, genre of, of jazz, uh, you know, like say jazz one night, maybe blues one night to take over that Zoom license and, and get together. You obviously have to have your own guitar player or a backing track to play on Zoom because you can't play it with each other due to the timing issues. Um, we may offer to turn that over to somebody if they want to run a a couple of hours and go late into the night and, and play you know, amongst themselves and somebody could you know host it we have several um, experienced um, hosts in that in that community who are still doing this online so I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to offer some more participatory things as well in the evening to sort of close the evening will all of it be recorded and available off offline you know not not live we are definitely planning to do that. There are some legal issues that I have to sort out. The These organizations called PROs, um, if you're playing music that is copywritten, um, we have to be careful um, and take care of the people whose music we're playing. Our intention is to make it available broadly to, to people after the fact, yes. But, but I think in many ways, there's a lot to be said for joining it live, isn't it? You do get more of a sense, even though it's online, you do at least get a more sense of community if you participate live. Well, and, and the seminars will all be live and those, you know, obviously you get a lot more out of it because you'll be able to play along, you'll be able to ask questions, you'll be, you know, and, and all of that, right? I'm pleased to, to say that, you know, all of our sessions, all the educational sessions will be over um, by 11 o'clock England time, right? So they'll be in your evenings, right? One to, you know, from, from one, one to five hour time. Yeah, so it's a great point, actually, for people over in Europe who are, who are listening to this, you know, that that works out very well for us over here, that we can watch the seminars. The, the concert, more of a problem because that's getting late. And the seminars, we, I know we will be able to, to leave up um, as long as our, you know, our teachers are, are okay with that, which I think they all are. I mean, we're seeing, obviously, during this time that, that there's a whole um, 
explosion of online activity. You know, everyone's doing things online, and, and we're all trying to learn very quickly how to do that. It's good to hear that you've got a, produ- a professional production company helping, and hopefully that'll make it all smooth. But sorry, what's the thoughts about online? Now, obviously, this does beg the question is, you know, even after things open up, hopefully that, you know, we might start to see a lot more things online, and maybe Spa might be interested in doing other stuff online as well. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, one of the things as we got to this point that our, the board started talking about was that you know we're going to learn a skill in doing this. The company who's helping us, the production company is helping us, is the company, our sound company, the company that has traveled with us for the last seven or eight years and done our live sound for us, so, um, retired at the end of last year. And so we went to a company that actually did spa, I think, in Colorado in the, in the mid-2000s. And um, they were hired to do the live convention in St. Louis this year, and they will be with us next year in Charlotte. And so we went to them and said, can you help us? And they said, absolutely. And so we're, they're actually the ones who are going to be helping us with this. So we're going to build a relationship with them. And, and so yeah, we're talking about the possibility, maybe we do something you know, six months in the off cycle, right? So maybe we do something in January or we get pretty busy in January and February. So we've got to be careful we don't overwhelm a 100% volunteer organization in having to book two groups. I, I feel certain we will, we will do something in sort of, let's say, the off cycle. Yeah, I think that's an important point as well. Yes, it's a voluntary organisation. It's the same with the National Harmonica League in the UK. So, you know, maybe this is a, a chance for people who are interested in helping out. Maybe they've got some time that, you know, SPA wants, wants some help if, if possible, if people have those skills especially, yeah. Yeah, and, and we do have, you know, Keith Mitchell's already stepped up and he will be helping us. He's the one who runs the gospel community here and, and uh, he's actually been doing regular Zoom sessions. And obviously, you know, the appearance of Zoom in this time, you know, was sort of fortuitous for them as a, as a startup. You know, they've obviously changed their technologies because, you know, people started crashing, you know, crashing Zoom sessions. And so all of a sudden, you, you know, you start having people who are you know, misbehaving in your Zoom session. So we've had to grapple with how do you deal with that? You know, who do you let in the room versus watch? You know, all of those kind of things we're going to, you know, we're sorting through now. Again, w- one of the reasons we wanted to hire professional firms. So they will be putting together all the live portions like the MC for, you know, people like me and Jerry who will be sitting in our living rooms or, or recording studios or, or possibly in the, in the sound room of our production company to do the MC work. You know, we'll be live um, introducing people and then going to recorded sessions and then going possibly to a recorded video from a spa from 19, you know, from from 2003. We have some of those as well that we'll be using, possibly then to a slideshow featuring some vendors who are offering special discounts during spa week or thanking our sponsors or telling people how they can donate, you know, to a slide deck and then back to, you know, a recorded show. We're at least going to be doing at least two live shows. Um, so we've put out guidelines for you know what the requirements are for doing a live show using a good quality microphone and a camera having you know having low noise environment having no light behind you you know all the things you have to do to to do live video and so it's going to be a blend and we're allowing these little cushions in between each session so we can we can handle any any small hiccups and we also know that this is going to be the first time for many people that they've attended something like this and so we're going to have sort of a helpline I, I don't know if it'll be an email or a a chat session or whatever, but if somebody doesn't know how to get on Zoom, we're going to have some people who can help them so it doesn't interrupt me when I'm trying to introduce Antonio Serrano. <laughs> Again, you know, part of having a professional organization. 
Yeah, and it's a great opportunity. I've never been to spa myself, so it's a great opportunity for lots of people to be able to go for the first time, yeah? Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm really encouraged by that. We've had folks from – got one uh, gentleman, I think it's a man from Brazil, who wants to teach, and we had somebody drop out, and so they're going to jump in and talk about playing tango music and, and straight from Brazil. So, yeah, I mean, it's fun because we can do more of that, and we can be more international. One of the other really nice things about this is that two of our performers are, and I'm going to sort of bring this full circle back to sort of, you know, what is SPA about? Two of our performers are former scholars. Every year for the last, oh gosh, 10 years now, we've been providing scholarships. Initially, those scholarships uh, for 21 and under and initially, it included you know hotel for you and your your guardian your parent and registration for you to attend. We fundraise specifically for this, so it's a restricted fund aimed at this uh, youth uh, rosebush fund. And uh, we've been able to help pay for some amount of uh, of travel. And so this year, we were due to have two. A uh, fine young uh, gentleman from from India coming over, and we've already told him, you know, please come next year. You know, sort of pre-approved. We're now bringing as many as six scholars. They spend the whole week with us. We put them on the stage once on the small stage, once on main stage. As I said, we have two of them on our main stage this year um, in their own right as 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 performers. That is really exciting. What we're now doing is internships, and so we're looking for like. Let's have let's give an internship to a former scholar who wants to learn more about sound, and let's put them to work helping uh, David Bernson and Carolyn Dolan, our, our stage managers, and help them you know learn how to run a sound check, you know help them set up the sound systems, help them maybe run the jazz jam in one evening or the open mic session during the afternoons, and learn how to do that stuff. So we're trying to find other ways for ki- for kids and young people not just to come as scholars and play, but to come back year after year and be part. Part of the organization. We're trying to find more and more ways to allow these, these young people to continue to enjoy and evolve and, and, and remain part of this, this organization. We're now using uh, former scholars as mentors for the new scholars. So we, and we provide them registration, right? We, so again, we have a really good sound financial footing. And so we're able to use some of the resources that we have in our community. Um, and this is all underwritten by donations and it's fabulous. And so you know, we've, we've now got, you know, a full generation and we're now starting on our second generation of young performers and watching them come up through the ranks. And it, to me, that's, if that isn't preservation, I don't know what is. <laughs> so brilliant. Yeah. So, so just to mention that the convention, um, just to reiterate the date, is between the 12th and the 15th of August this year. That's right. And it'll be every afternoon and evening on those four days of August. And that is our typical week. It's usually our, our live convention would have been that week. Uh, next year, we will be in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, the, uh, August 10th through 14th of 2021, you know, God willing and, and the creek don't rise, uh, <laughs> we will be there in person again and, and doing that there. We move on to talking about uh, uh, gear now, uh, Mike, which is the usual last slot of the, of the podcast. So what harmonicas do you play? Before I start on this, let me just say, I'm not an endorsee of anybody or an endorser of anybody. I, I feel that in this role, it's important to be independent. And I want to encourage all our vendors to do their best and do everything they can for everybody. And obviously, I get wonderful support from all the vendors in everything we do. And But in terms of the gear itself, I actually have four different manufacturers represented in my case. The, sort of the dominant diatonics I play these days are a Honer. 
crossovers um, and some deluxe. When those came out, I was getting marine bands tweaked by some local folks. I've I've not spent the time to learn, you know, to spend a lot of time doing it myself. Although I have done some very simple things myself in terms of you know opening them up and working on on tuning and so forth. So the crossover has been a wonderful out of box experience. I also carry Lee Oscars. I spent many many years playing Lee Oscar harmonicas, and I still have many of those in my backup kit for chromatics. After when I first got involved in chromatics, I I tried a few and I. I ended up playing Suzuki. I have a lot of chromatics 48s in various keys. I have a Sirius 64, which is a wonderful instrument. And I just love the way they sound. I also actually have a herring with a plastic comb that I bought at Spa, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago. And sadly, they don't sell in North America much anymore. I have an E48 that I play of theirs. And then over the course of the last five years, I've picked up um, an E-stop, I've picked up a Kongsheng, and those are fine instruments. And obviously, you know, their price point is fabulous. I mean, they're incredibly affordable, and the technology is getting better and better every year. I have, you know, a few other diatonics of various other manufacturers. I have a Suzuki or two, and I have an E-stop or two diatonic. Do you do you have a uh, a favorite key of harmonica? That's usually a diatonic question. But as you uh, as you like different key chromatics, maybe you can tell me your favorite key of diatonic and chromatic. I don't actually. I by using you know the the sort of two octaves you know coverage that you can get when you play the low harps, um, and occasionally a high G if you want to call the dogs over. I'm an accompanist. I, I'm not a solo artist. I play with other singers and pickers. I, I learned that skill at Kerrville playing at campfires when somebody throws out a song and my job is to be invited to do it more than once. And you learn pretty quickly that you know you don't trample on people. And so you have to have every key and you have to be able to find the key without asking uh, unless you can read the chords on the uh, instrument they're playing. And so I've got everything. I've got everything from a low D all the way up to a high G. And I play them all you know, sometimes, you know, playing in C on a high F is, is really good. Other times I'll pick up the low F. I love the shuffle of a low D, you know, playing a shuffle on the bottom. I'm sometimes the bass player, but I'll also pick up the Sirius and, and play that low octave on the, on the 64 chromatic as well. On chromatic, I carry a C48 as well as a 64, and that's to some degree a backup of, of each other. I have a G, an A, an E, and a B flat. And that gives me those keys, obviously, in first position, but it also gives me C minor, F sharp minor. And so, uh, you know, G gives you A minor, A gives you, you know, I play that in, in um, you know, mostly in first position in A, but it also gives you uh, B minor. You know, and B flat, obviously, it gives you the C minor. Um, and then and then the fifth position, C gives you E minor, you know, and, and because two blow is is the E and, and the E minor. The fifth position actually is I'm, – I'm learning more and more about it, but it's it's also very powerful, as powerful as third position is on a chromatic as well. You touched on earlier on that um, you don't play any other tunings. You, you pretty much play uh, rich tune, diatonics, and, and solo – well, standard tune chromatics. That's right, yes. And uh, occasional natural minor. I, I still have one song I play on a natural minor, and I have probably four or five of those Lee Oscars. But I, I, I've sort of now I, – I enjoy doing those mostly in third and fifth and, and fourth occasionally. So, Do you use any overblows yourself? 
I have never mastered the overblow. I have had several people, you know, Will Scarlett probably was the first person to do it and nobody, nobody knew it then, but I, w- I was listening to Will when he was playing with Hot Tuna in the, in the late 60s. And I've come to know him and, and, as a very good friend and, and listen to how he does it. And he makes it sound so easy that I don't know if there's something about my embouchure that isn't letting me do it. And, and I'm, I'm intent on figuring that out. Yeah, well, you touch the next question. What embouchure do you use? I am a lip blocker for the most part. I do tongue block, obviously, for chords. I've played around with tongue blocking. Uh, early on, I, I learned to do it with my lips, and, and I, I love the tone I can get because I'm able, you know, my tongue is, if you will, is able to be more involved in the in the sound um, because it's not stuck up against the harmonica. Uh, I'm not knocking the tongue block. You know, it does give one some additional some additional options. Uh, you know, that's what I do. I'm a total lip purser. Uh, what about amps? You play um, mostly quiet uh, melodic type music. So are you playing more, going for more of a clean sound most of the time? Most of the time I'm playing clean sound. The, the gig I played the other day, I actually had one of the uh, 57s with the shroud on it. So it was sort of purpose modified 50, 57. But I also had a 57 beta because I was playing chromatic a lot and holding a microphone and playing chromatic is, you know, can be hard. I actually own an A-Static bullet and I've played that. I have a Blues Junior that I bought back when I first started and, and I've never tried to sound like anybody else. That wasn't sort of what I have set out to do. When I play through a PA, I have actually have a little nine volt battery amp called a mountain amp. And it'll run about 20 hours on a nine volt and it has a direct out. If you turn it up, it's a solid state and, if, and it's got a you know, little eight inch speaker you can use for a monitor if you want to. But if you turn it up, it starts putting a little crunch on the sound. And I use that sometimes with a Shaker Madcap microphone, which is a very clean sounding microphone and it gives you more mobility because it's just you know, in between your fingers. As I'm doing more with chromatic, I'm finding you know having a stationary mic is very convenient, but I like to be able to move around. And so having you know, something I can pick up and play. So these days I'm now playing a bit of both, but all of it through the PA ultimate. When I practice, I'm playing through an old PV practice amp and that sounds pretty good. I've actually taken that to a gig once or twice. It's usually when I'm playing in a blues jam thing, you know, and I'm not trying to do straight up jazz or in some cases very delicate folk music and do you use any effects pedals nope never have i just you know do a little bit overdrive to get a little fatness out of it and obviously hand control cupping the microphone actually i was talking to our guitar player about possibly trying some of that for uh, for one or two songs and so you know how do i fatten my sound up part of that is you know switching to a to a low octave harmonica the other one would be to possibly add some chorusing or something on on what i'm doing last year i bought the blows me away that 57 microphone i talked to you about it is from is from greg it blows me away I really enjoying the sound that gives me. I, I ran that through the little mountain amp with a little crunch on the mountain amp and then into the PA. So that was my mobile mic for the gig we played last Saturday. And it was the first time I'd taken it out in public and I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thanks very much, uh, Michael, joining us today. Really looking forward to the online convention. Any last words from you or about yourself, Spa or the convention? I would encourage everybody to come check it out. You know, go to spa.org. We will publish everything in terms of how to join the event on our Facebook site, which is spa63. So facebook.com slash spa63 uh, or go to spa.org and look under the convention tab. We'll have instructions on how to join there. If you are a member and already getting emails from us, we will also be publishing or sending that information out over email. And the next issue of Harmonica Happenings, which will land at the end of July, right before this virtual convention, 
will be essentially our program. We'll we'll have some other articles in there as well, but we're um, we'll, we'll put in there the full the full schedule and everything we can, some photographs and one thing or another. And in fact, we're going to ask everybody who's joining us at the Spa Week to send us a photo of them during Spa Week, so that the following issue where we would normally have photographs of people at the convention, we will have photographs of people in the convention. <laughs> Um, so check out, you know, stay in touch with us through spa.org and our Facebook site. And uh, we'll look forward to having you at Spa Week. Yeah, brilliant. And I'll put links up on the podcast page to some of those uh, sites that you mentioned there. So, yeah, thanks very much, Michael. Great to talk to you today. Cheers. Thanks so much, Neil. That's it for episode 15, everybody. Just to let you know, the Long Wolf Blues Company will be offering a 15% discount to Spa Week attendees. Just use a coupon code SPA. Over to you, Harmonica Rascals, to play us out. <laughs>